Okay. Welcome back. You are here with Lynette Soderwall on the Love Identity Podcast, and I'm totally excited to have you here. Yep, I said totally. That sounded really dorky. Sorry if that turned you off. I apologize, but I am totally excited that you're here. I'm not even faking it. That was completely for reals. Anyway, I am happy, and I'm happy to talk to what to you today about what we're going to talk about, even though you're not going to love what we're going to talk about today, maybe, and maybe you're going to dig it. We'll just find out. So we're going to talk about our question today being, is fear the boss of me? What? I know. I know it's not necessarily what we always want to consider and talk about, but at the end of the day, the truth of the matter is it's important. It's important to recognize how much fear plays a part in who we are and what we do. If we're going to answer questions about who am I, we have to find out who's calling the shots. Is it our truth? Is it our facts? Is it somebody else's perception? Is it what we think? Is it what we know? Is it what we are trying? Is it what we're digging at? We got to answer all those questions. But today, the main focus for you is, is fear the boss of me. So really, fear, hmm, it has so many different faces. So when I say the word fear, some of you are imagining a horror movie, the scary parts, right? The hide your eyes, get under the covers, help have somebody help you out. fear part. Um, And that's the natural survival instinct that we are created with. A lion is racing toward us and heck yeah, we better fight or flight, right? And in that case, you better flight and hopefully you have a hole to dive into that they can't fit or you've got someplace to go, right? Because you're a toy (laughs) at that point to that lion. They're like, this is the best day ever pink, squishy, and it runs away. Um, But realistically, your instinct is, I don't want to get eaten. I don't want to be devoured. Not a weird instinct. Great instinct. I think we all have that. We stay out of deep oceans where there are great white sharks for a reason, because we don't want to be eaten alive. And so at the end of the day, um, we get to ascertain how much of the quote unquote fear in our life is really survival related. Not a lot of it. And yet a lot of us respond to situations in our lives as though it is. And so I'm going to pick at that today. We're going to talk about that a little bit. I'm going to give you the opportunity to think it through on your own and find it out. Um, there are some great people out there talking about fear and, um, they're, they're wonderful. And at the moment, my brain is blank on who those people are, but at some point I'll throw them out there to you so you can check them out. But, um, I think it's a conversation that we need to have. So let's talk about it. So we've got that fight or flight, right? We've established the fact that the fight or flight is an instinctual response. It's a reaction. Actually, it's a strong reaction. So what happens to us in life As we are developing as humans, um, little humans especially, right? We are born and kids. Let's talk about kids for a second. Kids are like lovey fluffness. (laughs) Yeah, I, I just said that. So lovey fluffness. So imagine, let's draw this out. Lovey fluffness would look something like the best cotton candy ever with maybe some googly eyes or some of the cute eyes, you know, those little anime eyes with the white little 
shiny parts and they're just so darling. You can't wait to just want to squeeze you. Um, that's what kids are. Kids are lovey fluffness, right? They're like, everything's good. They have to be taught that things are bad. They do have fear instinct. They cry, they respond, they get scared. They know that's a thing. It's an emotion they experience. And that's a natural, again, reaction to those situations. We want our kids to have those. However, they also have to be taught what things are actually a problem, what are dangerous things, and what are safe things. And that's part of a parent's job. We teach them. No, you do not put your hand on the stove. That will burn you. Uh, you don't put your head in the toilet. It looks like a fun little swimming pool, but it is not. You know, we have to teach them what's okay and what isn't okay. In essence, we are the first line of boundary coaches there are. Um, we're showing kids boundaries for safety. Some parents hover and don't let their kids discover any of that on their own, which I have opinions about, and you probably don't want to hear about them on this podcast at the moment. Um, but in reality, each of us, has to experience a certain amount of life on our own to figure out what is actually scary for us, what we need to be running as if it's a lion, and what things we actually get to face and that we see ourselves come out strong on the other side. And in those exchanges, we also um, splash on other people because our bravery really resonates. Bravery is something that definitely shakes other people and inspires. There's something about when somebody faces something that you think you yourself could not face, there is an admiration that rises like, wow, in a healthy person, especially a broken person. They're like, whatever, you know, I don't want to deal with it. I, whatever that person, you know, they had privilege that I didn't have, or they had a something, you know, that I didn't understand, or I wasn't given the tools. And maybe that's true. There might be some, some fact in that, but at the end of the day, our eternal truth as a human is we can do hard things. We can, when we give ourselves permission, we can do hard things. So as I was talking about our lovey fluffness children that we were at one point, when we're in that stage, we have to learn, you know, that emotional things are scary and that um, putting ourselves out there is scary and trying new things is scary. And actually, kids kind of go for it, right? That's why we as parents and loved ones around them help guide them appropriately because they'll just dive into the swimming pool. They don't know any better. They have to learn that that's not okay. So in certain parts, they have to understand this is actually dangerous. This is something that can bring death. Like, do not do this, right? And eventually they, they figure it out. Um, hopefully, that's the plan. And then in other things, they have to experience it on their own. But initially, the lovey fluffness dreams big. Initially, they are the little people that are imagining the great things. They don't see anything stopping them. They are imagining the best case scenario, the grandest of experience. They are seeing the goals and the life and the big things. They're going to the moon. They're a princess in a tower. They are ruling nations. They are presidents. They are tops of industry. They are oftentimes very interesting. A lot of kids think of themselves in a position of helping other people. 
and it's beautiful. They want to be the ter- the teachers and the nurses and the doctors and the people who uh, help other people because kids innately have that empathy in them. They don't know how to function with empathy all the time because they are pretty self-absorbed, but their heart is big and beautiful in care because they haven't let fear call the shots as much. They're not as protective of, oh, if I help this person, maybe I don't get that in return. Or if I draw, you know, they're not thinking from experience, they're thinking from a dream state. So what's great about that? What's great about that is that those limitations are taken off. The impossibilities are possibilities and they are excited. They're happy. Most kids are happy. They have their moments where they're not so happy, obviously, but in general, They're living their best selves. They're living their best lives. If they're in a healthy family that lets them expand themselves, they're they're doing their thing. They're happy to be who they are. They do it unapologetically, which drives adults nuts, right? We're like, that kid was so rude. They just completely said the thing. And that... That wasn't nice, you know, but realistically, it's the truth of what's happening. You know, yes, you do have drool dripping down your face and the kid's like, hey, man, you're drooling. (laughs) It's like where adults are like, oh, do we tell them? Do we not tell them? Don't want to hurt their feelings or freak them out. Kids are like, hey, you got a water park sliding down your face. Do something about it. So, you know, there's some balance in the whole thing. But my point being that they, they haven't until they experience the fright that comes with disappointing people, with um, failure, with success for some things. Um, They haven't experienced the hard breakups. They haven't experienced being a disappointment or disappointing to the extent where it imprints on them. However, when we are kids and those things do happen and we are not given the tools and the support and the empathy we deserve as a little person, to walk that thing out, that becomes a, a deep seated something. And depending on what the situation is, is how that gets defined. So if a little person doesn't understand what to do next and has really big grown up emotions that they don't know how to process, and there's nobody there to advocate for them, that becomes a thing. It gets stuck, stuck in that emotional section. Our bodies are so phenomenally and wonderfully crafted and made like God was thinking big when he created us and he knew there were going to be things we couldn't handle. It's like he made special compartments for those things, never intending for them to stay there, always intending for healing to come. And yet there is a place for it. And so kids not knowing what to do, they put those things in that space. So all of us have little rooms in our hearts, our minds, our bodies, And what happens then is we just get, we can get stuck there and that becomes what we call trigger, right? Um, And it's not just in children that this happens. I'm just using kids as an example. So here they are free, lovey fluffness, doing their thing, something terrible happens and it takes a little part of that fluffy away and it, it brings reality. Now, as we grow, yeah, reality is a thing, right? We have to face it. We have to acknowledge that life has to be lived, that we hashtag adult, sometimes against our will, but we do it, right? The responsibilities, the weight, the 
payments, the jobs, the relationships, the dynamics, the world, the everything. It's a, it is a bigger situation, but what we focus on is a lot of how we get through it. So with kids, they focus on the impossibilities being possible. And so they're able to recover quicker when disappointment happens with adults. We focus on the what ifs, the what's going to happen, the situation around the corner that maybe triggers an experience from before. And we don't want to face it again that, Oh, something good's happening in my life. I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? That is not okay. And that's what stops us so much in our life. And we freeze in that space and fear becomes the boss and it calls the shots. So how do I want to translate that? Maybe in your marriage, um, you've been through some hard things together as a couple, you've gotten some freedom, you've worked hard, you've been intentional, you're getting that connection back. And then old pattern rises in your spouse and something happens and you automatically go to, I know what happens. I know where this path leaves leads, excuse me. And because I know where that leads, I need to protect myself right now, right here, because this is going to hurt. I know this is going to hurt. And so I'm going to distance. I'm not going to look you in the eyes when I'm talking to you. I'm going to hide myself a little bit. I'm going to pull away and we'll see if you come after me. Okay. Well, in theory, okay. Yeah. You could argue it'd be great for your spouse to follow after you, but, but you're just as much of that relationship as they are. So why is it all their job? It's your offense. It's your hurt. It's your fear rising. So what would happen instead if you said, Hey, this fear rose in me, what do I want to do about it? Does it get to continue to call the shots, be the boss and hurt my marriage, even if it's temporary, but if I leave it alone long enough, it could be a permanent hurt, right? We don't know anything's possible in that scenario. When hurt gets in, it can become a huge issue. Um, or we say, if I'm going to engage love and I'm going to engage my identity, who I really am and who I want to be the best version of me, I'm going to be brave. I'm not going to let fear be the boss of this situation in this heart area. I'm going to rise and let love say it's peace. So I'm going to go to my spouse and I'm going to say, Hey, you know, this thing happened. This is what I'm seeing. And I'm going to be honest. It scares me. Can we talk about it? What can we do? And we get in each other's camp and we fight together and we make love the dominant voice, not fear. And what happens in those situations, maybe it gets bumpy, maybe it gets ugly, but eventually with the intention being properly focused, connection comes and there's a win for both of you. And you're stronger because of it than before. It's a beautiful thing. Whereas if that fear kept calling the shots, it's going to add on itself. You start focusing on all the things going wrong, all the things that this person is not able to do for you. It's magnifying the voice and you're going, oh, we are going to hell in a handbasket. This is downhill quick. You know, it goes uphill just as quick when you choose to intentionally not let fear be the voice. So obviously, Marriage is not the only area that this happens, right? This is 
any area of our life, you guys, honestly, it is all the areas. And you would be surprised at how often fear dominates. And I'm going to tell you something, fear couples itself with control, control of situations, relationships, job scenarios, um, anything, apply it to anything. When there's a need to control, even uh, control freaks when it comes to cleaning. Love you clean freaks out there. And I love things clean. Don't get me wrong. I cannot quantify myself as a, as a clean freak internally, maybe getting it done. Eh, not so much. Um, but what I'm saying is sometimes that clean freak dynamic, guess why you do it at times it's because whatever's happening internally with you, you can't seem to get the control of that. So you're going to control what's happening outside of you as much as you possibly can. Maybe you're not being successful when it comes to controlling the relationships you'd like to control and people are hurting you, disappointing you, letting you down. You're not able to depend. And so you're going to look for things to be able to keep within your control and wow, cleaning a house. I don't know what it is about vacuuming or sweeping a floor. I'm a big fan. Like you see the things all over the floor. You're like, this is a mess. I'm yuck. Eh. You grab the broom, you grab the vacuum and voila, look, everything's tidy all over again. Even if there's chaos, other places, there's something about the floor getting swept that really makes you feel accomplished in that moment. I don't know. I don't think holla girls. I don't know. Am I the only one that feels this way? Anyway, um, I doubt I'm alone. <clears throat> Excuse me. So what I'm saying is that that control mechanism, it's very convincing. It has a loud voice. It seems so smart. You know, let's keep ourselves safe. Let's keep ourselves away from danger. We will convince us humans are excellent at justification. We can justify mm, just about anything if we really, really want to, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, ad nauseum at some point through this whole process. But in our situations, we find the excuse. We find the thing that justifies the behavior and control is based in fear. Something's happening that we can't get it to do what we want. And that scares the hell out of us. So we do everything in our power that we think we have to make it what we need it to be, to feel good. Unfortunately, it's a temporary solution that usually compounds into a bigger problem. And a lot of the time, what it does more than anything is it creates distance from the relational aspect that we actually truly crave. We want to be close. We want to be connected. We want to have interaction with the people we choose in our lives and we want to be chosen and so what happens is we build this barrier, fear talks us into it, tells us it's a great plan. And so it sounds convincing. And again, we bring in the excuse, well, yeah, you know, I am responsible for my own happiness and all those things, which is true. We'll talk about that too. That is absolutely true. However, if you are boarding yourself up and fear is calling the shots, mm, ladies and gents, I'm telling you, that's not, that's, that's not winning. That's hashtag deceived, hashtag losing, hashtag this sucks, hashtag I'm really lonely, okay? Instead, we get to be brave and say, hmm, yeah, risk is a thing. I have to do it. Not everything. You get to be wise. You get to have counsel. You get to be smart, count your cost, thousand percent. Be those people. I agree with you. Got to do it. And 
when the piece of your life is leading you into something that is treacherous or looking like it could be, the peace is leading you, but your comfort is maybe a little rattled, you follow the peace. The peace is I am in an ocean. I'm on an ocean, actually. Imagine yourself in one of those plastic ball things. You know, you see people run around in, but they're the big clear plastic balls and they run into each other and stuff. It's really crazy. Imagine that on a on an ocean that is tumultuous. You are seeing it, you're feeling it, but you're buoyant because it's full of air and it's round. And so you're experiencing the storm to a certain degree, but it is not taking you out. That's peace and grace. Comfort is I'm in my lazy boy. I'm doing what I always do. I'm controlling the mechanism so that things don't affect me or don't come out of left field. So I don't know how to deal with them, but I'm comfortable. So I'm going to leave my life a little bit small. I'm not going to take a lot of risk. I'm going to, you know, the butt groove in the chairs, super cozy. I'm good with this. Oh, that blanket. Yes. Sounds good. It could even make a lot of sense for a second, but it is not how we get what we truly deserve in life. That is fear calling the shots. It is not love leading. You want to be led by love. So this is my encouragement to you today. I want you to think. I want you to process. And if you are a prayer, I want you to pray. Am I God letting fear be the boss of me? And if I am, show me a different way and help me be brave because you deserve the life you were destined for. You deserve the life you see in that innermost part of you that you dream about and that you're excited about. It doesn't mean it's going to all go perfect. Nothing goes perfect. It's always going to go weird. So just go in with the expectation. It's not going to be exactly what I thought it was going to be. And I can almost guarantee you it's going to be better than what you thought if you allow yourself to see it from love's view. So that's the question today, peeps. I'm asking you, is fear the boss? Ask yourself that question, ponder it, consider it, address it. There's freedom for you on the other side. Super excited to talk to you today. See you next time. Bye-bye.